0: We're listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene online at bethanynaz.org.
1: Everybody, I believe, needs a Jeffrey in their lives. About 35 years ago, God gave me a friend. And besides Jesus and Annette, uh, Jeffrey Johnson has been my closest friend. He has pastored many churches. He serves now as the district superintendent in South Texas, and he is in town today And I asked him if he would bring God's word. So would you welcome Dr. Jeffrey Johnson this morning?
2: Good morning. It's always uh, a privilege for us two or three times a year to be able to worship with uh, good people at Bethany First Church. And uh, today is no exception to that. So thank you so much for allowing us to be here and worship with you. And uh, I brought some pictures with me this morning from Texas. I know that will bless some people's hearts. And uh, the first picture up uh, that, that you'll see, I think coming up here in just a moment, this is uh, this is my street on August the 28th uh, in the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey and the rain that set in. And it rained about 48 inches at my house. These are some other scenes uh, from South Texas uh, as we made our way over to try to see how folks were doing. And this is the, the scene in front of our youth pastor's house at our Living Word Church, And uh, the neighborhood there was just completely full like that. This is looking out the front door of our children's pastor's home in Orange, Texas, while inside a team of Nazarenes from California were working to try to restore. But there was just home after home with um, a mountain of mess uh, in their front yards And I I want to say a big thank you because the Church of the Nazarene across the nation and really across the world has been extremely good and generous to us. And right at the forefront of that has been Bethany First Church. You've sent people and teams to work. You've contributed generously. And I just want to say thank you on behalf of all the South Texas Nazarenes for what you have done for us. Uh, Thank you so much. And speaking of a mess, there are times when we look out the front doors of our lives And it looks like that picture you just saw a moment ago. When circumstances and situations, some may be created by our own choices, some because of just things that happen in our broken world where we look out and we are just a mess. And someone once said, if you've never been a mess, you may never have a message. And in thinking of that, I want you to look with me in the gospel of Mark today at uh, a story that I just love. Passage I just love in the Gospel of Mark. And I'm going to begin reading at uh, verse 24. It says this, Jesus went with him and all the people followed crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed out of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. And then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Speaking of being a mess, this lady who was trying to get to Jesus was a big mess. We don't uh, we don't know her name. We're not given that information. But we are given a lot of information about her to kind of know who she was. First of all, she'd had a bleeding problem for 12 years. She has suffered and she's suffering that day. She spent all her money... And over time, she's gotten worse. She has a chronic menstrual disorder. That's not a good scenario today. But in in those days, in her world, the world that she lived in, in first century Jewish society, things couldn't be a lot worse for her. It it meant this for her. It, It meant that sexually she could not be with her husband. Maternally, she couldn't bear children. Domestically, anything that she touched would be considered unclean. And unclean is not good. Spiritually, she's not even allowed to enter the public place of worship. So she's, she's shut out. She's ostracized. She's cut off from friends, from fam- family, from, from what would be church for us. She's in the kind of place that could drive any of us to some awful, awful dark places in our lives. She is flat out desperate. And her story is a story of demanding the most demanding need maybe we can think of. And her need is so great. It's so consuming her that it demands her full, her complete attention. And there's something else that I want you to catch here in this passage and, and what we're told about her. And, and it's not meant to be a, a slam on the medical profession. It's just a, a clear statement that her problems are not going to be solved by a human solution. Not, not by the doctors. I mean, not by Dr. House. Not by Dr. Oz. Not by Dr. Shepard. Not by Dr. Phil. Not by Dr. Oprah. Not even by Dr. Harvey. it's not going to be solved by money she's spent every last cent that she's got I think she's read every book that would have anything to say about the subject every article on WebMD she's listened to every podcast attended seminars she's tried every remedy there is approved, unapproved, experimental, whatever you name it in 12 years She's tried it. But by now, she knows that none of those has worked. None of those things are going to work. She's desperate. No amount of embarrassment or humiliation matters at that point. She's had that heaped on her for 12 years. And the need is so great. And you, you've been there, perhaps. Her need is so great. She feels like she's drowning in it. She's suffocating in it. And it's summoning all the strength that she has. If she can just get a little bit more strength. She's heard about Jesus. She's heard of the things that others have said that He's done. And what He's done for other people. And, and she thinks, if I can just get close enough to Him to just just touch His clothes... by the time she gets anywhere near Jesus, he's surrounded by a huge crowd of people. He's with an extremely important person, and that's something you need to know about the context of this. It starts out with Jesus and this man named Jairus, who's the local synagogue leader, which would be somewhat of a hybrid between a pastor and a mayor. He's the most important person in the community. And Jesus is with him. There's a huge crowd of people surrounding them. How could she possibly think that she can get to Jesus? How could she possibly think that anyone like her is going to be allowed to get anywhere near him? And he's already on this important mission because Jairus' daughter is very sick and Jesus is going with him at his request to see her. How is she going to be allowed to interrupt something like that? being who she is. She has no guarantees. No guarantees at all. But she does have some faith. There's a verse that I love in uh, the, the first John. The first of those three letters near the end of the New Testament. In chapter 5, verse 4, it says this. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world. Say it with me. Our faith. The the verb that's translated uh, overcome here, the, the Greek word is nikao, uh, from which we have an English derivative that is branded and has made a lot and a lots of money and maybe somebody here today might have something on from the name brand Nike. That's where that word comes from, meaning victor or conqueror. John spells out for us how we can be victors or conquerors in the world. We overcome the pressures of this world, the brokenness, the hurt, the pain of this world, the temptations. We beat the world system by what? By faith. And that's the key. It's not just the key to overcoming difficult circumstances. It's also the key to be able to follow Jesus and to love others and obey God. A child of God who loves God and continually follows Him and overcomes the awesome pressures and struggles of this world does it by faith. We aren't overcomers because we're smarter, because we're better, because we're more talented, because of our background. We're overcomers if we place our confidence and our hope and our trust in a person, the truth of one person, not the opinions of dozens or hundreds of others, no matter what expert they may be in what field they may be but one person jesus the key to being delivered from destructive habits and relationships it's our faith in jesus the key to overcoming all the things that are in our face that make life a mess is faith in jesus the faith that what god has for me is better than what I could think up on my own or what I could find in any other source. That kind of faith. Pastor Tony Evans, the incredible communicator, great leader, pastor down in the Dallas area, uh, the Urban Alternative Ministry and pastor of the great church down there, tells a story about traveling to Iowa to speak at, uh, at some event. And uh, his plan was to, uh, to fly up in uh, a small twin-engine Cessna plane with uh, a friend of his. A friend was offering to fly him, uh, avoid all the commercial stuff, and fly him from Dallas up to Iowa for this event. And uh, he, he said to Tony, he said, you need to invite your wife to go with us. And so uh, he invited his wife to go and explained their travel arrangements. And her response to him was, there is no way I am flying in that little bitty plane. And he looked at her as sometimes, sometimes pastors do and, and they always regret it when they do. And he kind of began to uh, sermonize to his wife. And he said, Honey, your faith is too small. Isn't your God big enough? And she looked back at him and said, My God is the right size, but your plane is too small. (laughs) They wound up going on a full-size plane as uh, her faith grew with the size of the the carrier. Back in uh, the summer of... uh, 2016 julie and i were were blessed greatly for the first time to get to go to the nation of israel with a group of uh... some folks from one of our churches down in the houston area and we went there and i, I brought a few pictures I, I knew you'd want to see pictures of, of our family but this is just a beautiful picture of the the sea of galilee it was part of our trip a great experience and here you'll you'll see that we didn't just get this is not photoshopped. julie and i were actually there out on a boat in the Sea of Galilee. I thought this picture might bless a few hearts in the room. If you can see the flag that's, uh, that's flying there alongside the, the Israeli flag. I want you to know I am sooner born, sooner bred, and I was very happy last night. But uh, proud of the Texas flag, flag there. This is uh, a, a chapel, a church built uh, right on the Sea of Galilee in the village of Magdala. And that name should sound familiar to you, right? One of the villages along the Sea of Galilee. And this is inside. And you can see up front where there would normally be a stage or an altar or other things. It is a a replica of the, the kind of fishing boat that Jesus and his disciples would have spent so much time in. And behind it, you look directly out on the sea. Uh, also in that in that in that church there in magdala they've built these small prayer chapels with these beautiful mosaic scenes this one right here is that back just back just one if you can that scene right there is is depicting jesus in the house of jairus over his daughter so directly related to this passage and then we went downstairs and downstairs we were in this area where the stones we were walking on where it was actually excavated all the way down to the very path that Jesus would have walked on in those days when he was in that village. And this picture, a beautiful mural along the wall was there, and it, it just made me step back for a little bit. And I don't even have to tell you what it is. It's that finger of a woman whose life was a mess with just enough faith to believe if she could just touch Jesus clothes just touch the bottom of his robe healing would come max Licato has said it well when he wrote this faith is not the belief that god will do what you want faith is the belief that God will do what is right. Not the belief that God will do what you want, but he will do what is right. Jesus responds to this kind of faith. When that woman fights her way through the crowd and she touches the fringe of his robe, he says, who touched me? Now you know that Jesus knows, don't you? He asks questions for a reason and it's usually for our help and for the help of all those around. He knows, but he calls her out. And he calls her daughter. As far as I know, as as far as anything I can see recorded in, in the Scripture, that is the only time Jesus ever used that term directly to speak to someone. When he called her daughter. And he says, your faith has made you well. I want to take you back also into the context here. Remember, we started with that verse 34 and it says Jesus followed him. He's talking about Jairus. Jesus was with this very important man going with him at the request because his daughter was very sick. But all of this happens and this moment happens with this lady and her great moment of faith and healing. But then we return to the fact that Jesus is still on his way to respond to the need of another And that should be a reminder to all of us this morning, and this is good news for everybody. Jesus can handle more than one need at a time. And he goes with with Jairus now, but, but they've had this delay. And by the time it says there in the following verses, by the time they get to Jairus' house, the folks come out and they say, Teacher, it's no use now no need it's too late she's dead and if you know anything about the culture then that means there was lots of noise going on there was lots of weeping and wailing and lots of distraction and all and Jairus is greeted with this news your daughter's dead and people are mourning and it's loud and it's confusing and it's a struggle and you know the grief is beginning to sweep over him come here for a second Rick if you don't mind And I just imagine the scene being something like this. Jairus has just received this news. His daughter's dead. There's noise, confusion. There's all sorts of things going on like that. And the word says that Jesus said, don't be afraid. Just have faith. And I can imagine Jairus weeping or struggling, looking around and trying to figure out what to do, and Jesus just saying... Look at me. Don't listen to this. Don't worry about this. Listen, to, look at me. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. And I think maybe there's some folks here today. Jesus is looking at you in the eye and he's trying to get you to look back at him and not listen to everything that's going on around not be distracted by what the world is saying, what the enemy's saying, what the circumstances look like. He says, "Don't be afraid. Just have faith." And Jesus responds to that kind of faith with a demonstration of divine compassion. Because he cares like nobody else cares. And he responds with power because he can do something nobody else can do. And he responds with authority because he has the authority that no one else in the universe has. And he'll do something today if we have faith. This can be your story today. But the enemy doesn't want it to be. He wants you to reach out for everything that's not Jesus. Every false solution. Every effort of your own to try to fix things. Every enticing temptation. Every temporary escape that only ends up in the pit. He wants you to believe his lies, his story, and not put your faith and your hope in Jesus today. But Jesus says to you, don't be afraid. Just have faith. We you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you this morning. For the compassion and the power that you alone have. For the fact that you know completely and fully everything that we face this morning. Whatever challenge, whatever struggle, whatever temptation, whatever illness, circumstance that we face today. Father, I pray that you would, you would help us to just have enough faith with whatever we've got reach out for you today and look you in the eye and see your love and power look back at us and say don't be afraid have faith in me help us to overcome today Lord by our faith in Jesus
0: You're looking for someone to mend your broken life. Just Just one touch
2: touch of the Master's
0: hand. That's all it it takes to find your healing Mm -hmm. that only He can send. You're tired and weary, Mm -hmm. and you're burdened. No!
1: You know, I, I grew up in a little town in Kentucky and went to a Nazarene church there, and we had altars like these in that little church, and it was often that we would find a place to pray at one of those altars. And uh, I know this morning that some of you have come to church and you would say, Rick, my life is kind of a mess right now, uh, dealing with some issues, some struggles, Maybe somebody that you love is sick or maybe you are sick. Maybe you're concerned for a child or a family member, financial struggles in your life, struggling with doubt. You want to have faith. You want to believe. As I prayed early this morning about this day, I prayed that the Lord would restore hope in somebody's heart. That somebody could leave here this morning feeling hopeful again. I want you to stand with me. We'll continue to sing. And if you want to come this morning to the altar and just say, Lord, I need you to strengthen my faith. Or God, I need healing in my life. Or somebody I love needs healing in their lives. And I just want you to feel a Freedom to just step out and come down and pray. You may grab the hand of somebody sitting beside you and invite them to come with you. We'll have some pastors down here and they'll be able to pray with you and pray for you. If you want to go to one of them, they'll just be standing on either side. You can just come right to them. But if you want to pray, don't leave this place without praying first. Let's sing.
0: Just one time Hand. That's all it takes Don't to find your healing that only, only he can, can say you
2: Just one touch. Just Just one touch
0: touch of the Master's hand. hand. That's all it takes Mm -hmm. to find your healing.
2: That only only
0: He can can send you time. Like to come and
2: join these that are praying, please do so. But don't leave here without knowing for sure that you have touched Jesus and he has touched you and your life is forever different. God bless you. Go in prayer. Go prayerfully and you are dismissed.
0: You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.